uh, stay safe, Troy. I'll stay, sh- I'll stay sh- sh- safe. Are you going to smush Are you going to smush Good luck, Mush Mouth. Andrew is like, what did I sign myself up for? <laughs> <laughs> sort of deer in headlights. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to Geeks Can't, your home of general RPG goodness and major tomfoolery. Mm. Um, I'm, I guess I'm your host today, Troy, and uh, joined as I'm always joined with Zach. Heidi Ho. And the Dwarven DM, John. Lolly Ho. And Everybody. as you can see, we have a guest. We do. Andrew, who is... I think he gets the uh, the award for uh, most returning guest we've had. That is accurate. Yeah. Is that right? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. I checked. Yeah. All right. It's like a Foursquare of podcasts. <laughs> yes. Yes. Like, do, at some point, do I like get a get a, like a a mayor badge or something? I think. Yeah. I think we'll give you a key Ooh. to the podcast. That or we need to oh. maybe Andrew can have his own miniature at Ooh. some point. Ooh. How about that. I think that nice. can be done. A limited, lim- ultra limited edition uh, miniature line. Ultra yeah. limited edition can't get more exclusive than that. Uh, right. Other than just like NFT it, no. and then I'll. Own Everybody's it. Oh, doing no. Yeah. no, no. <laughs> trigger, trigger warning. Um, for those of you that don't know, uh, Andrew works at D and D Beyond. So, who better to talk to about all the kerfuffle going on with? Uh, what's he purchasing D&D Beyond than Andrew. Yeah, the product manager too. So you've got a lot of the yeah. inside track on on the product itself and how that will impact the product in the coming the coming transition. Yeah, this is going to be awesome. What is yeah. your role right now, Andrew? I always think of you as like, I think about Andrew and D&D Beyond. I'm like, well, he's the, if, if I was going to place it, I would say he's the visionary, but that's probably not your actual title. Well, yeah, well, that would be a... Um, uh, weird title for sure, but the way that we would say something like that is principal product manager, which mm-hmm. is my newest sort of title. Um, uh, I was promoted Prince. just recently, and I'll be able mm-hmm. to keep that title as I move over into to uh, Watsi. So, very yeah, good. That's, that's basically um, what it is. We've got one other principal product manager on our team, and and he and I uh, work to try to keep the team aligned around a central vision. Um, mm-hmm. It's not really us to set that vision, but try to keep us all aligned around it and keep some vision uh, uh, in, within vision of where we're going. Um, now, what does that look like when we get to Watsi? Boy, um, there's going to be a lot more inputs and a lot more things that we're going to have to learn, you know? <laughs> um, so it's, uh, I've, I've told a few people that with any role, um, a, good em- a good employee will come on board and say, I'm not going to change anything right away. I'm going to wait 30, 60, 90, and I'm just going to sit and see what's going on. And uh, that's that's the kind of approach that we're going to take too, is there are so much, so many things that we're going to do, um, but we don't have to do them all right now. Right. Um, let's let's mm-hmm. sit, take stock of what we've got and figure out what's the best way to, to make it go forward. And that's, that's exactly what we're going to try to do. Hmm. Very cool. That's awesome. So how much, uh, I mean, obviously there's only so much that you can, you can tell us. And so uh, feel free to, we don't want you to be the Tom Holland 
I was just thinking that. I was just thinking that. Well, well, I, I got this new um, new gig, and I'm I'm not going to uh, jeopardize it. So yeah. I, I can promise you that. Well, what are you doing talking to us? Then that's what I want. You're, you're well, officially put on notice. As soon yeah. as as soon as the info dropped, I think it was Zach is the one that posted it in our uh, Discord mm-hmm. server. As soon as I saw it, I messaged Andrew. I'm like, Andrew, how could you keep such secrets? And he's like, <laughs> because I like my job. <laughs> it's like, yes. well, yeah, there you go. So how, how long did you know? If, if you can, uh, you can give us an idea. Um, well, yeah, I can't really talk about that. I, cool. I, what we'll I can say – what I can say is um, with with anything that happens, there's always like weird stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, someone smart puts things together way far ahead. Um, and so I, I've, I've thought, oh, this could happen. But there was never a point where I had like a, uh, a definitive, this person told me this is happening absolutely, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But, you know, you, you start to recognize the signs of, of due diligence uh, when you're being acquired uh, and you yeah. have been acquired a few times, you, you start to see like, Oh, okay. That's a weird ask. <laughs> right. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, I've been there before at other companies that were about to be purchased. And it's like, they, they pull back the sheets and they want to know everything that's underneath all the numbers. Like, why are we gathering all these numbers? Don't worry about it. As <laughs> yeah, soon as I hear, don't worry, don't worry about, about it. it. I'm like, I know what that means. Yep. Okay. I got that. All right. <laughs> what, um, Gosh, I like. There's a million, a million. I, I know. Uh, let's do something. Get something out of the way right now. If if it can even be, because we're gonna have to ask it if somebody doesn't ask it in chat. Mm-hmm. Because you sure. know it's coming. Yeah, ask me. Ask me those questions. Because I I know I think I know the answer. And the answer is gonna be a big no, as as it probably should be, but. Does this mean that people will now be able to get their books in PDF for free when they buy the hardcover? <laughs> um, actually, I was going to say um, in when I was talking about uh, my new employee 30, 60, 90 day analogy, um, it's not like I'm, I'm going to go in there, uh, that we're going to go in there and be like, physical digital books, now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, uh, and... And I, I, I don't know that I'm going to say no either. Um, and and mm. I don't know, honestly. I don't know what, what is possible, what's not possible. But what I, what I can say and what I do know is the community wants that. It's super mm. clear after this news. That's like the number one thing mm-hmm. that everybody is asking about, right? It's super clear that there is a massive amount of uh, value in answering that question, Right. Mm -hmm. Does this mean I can get my physical and digital books together? Mm -hmm. Um, And it would, we would not be doing our jobs if we did not examine that question and figure out, is that something that we can make possible? Um, And, and how would we do that? One of the big problems with that, um, that initially was that we were a licensed property and that Mm -hmm. that's a difficult proposition. Yep. Um, uh, but if you remember, we did try to overcome it. Um, we did have a D&D Beyond and WotC bundle um, mm-hmm. on the Essentials Kit. Um, so mm-hmm. there, that's something that is that it's possible there. And, and that shows that 
you know, a licensee and, and, uh, and um, uh, a licensor could work together. Um, so now that, that Watsi has, has purchased D&D Beyond, that's not a problem anymore at all. Right. Mm-hmm. But the other problems that stopped us from continuing down that path still exist. Mm-hmm. It's not easy to try to make something like that work just in a, like physically. Right. I think, and, and, and I even saw a lot of comments about this too. When I, when I was looking through, um, it's not like we can just throw a code in the printed book anymore. Right. Mm-hmm. Because somebody just goes to Barnes and Noble, picks that up, scans mm-hmm. that code. Oh, cool. Got a new book on D and D beyond, put that back on the shelf. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that's, ju- that's just not going to work. So there's a lot of logistical problems that are going to have to get solved around that. We got to figure out what's the best way to, to make that happen. But I can say um, it is obviously something that everybody wants, that it would be a valuable thing for us to do. And um, we would be fools not to consider it at least to at least have a conversation about it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think we'll see. A, a, we'll see. A conversation is probably the thing that I think is is reasonable and, and to come up with a, a an, an answer, if not a solution. And I think the biggest reason for that is that we are seeing a lot of the other major publishers going the route of PDF with hardcover purchase, especially through their website. So mm-hmm. it's becoming the norm and D&D is the granddaddy and the, you know, the big fish in the sea, but if everybody else is doing a thing, it makes it harder, though not impossible, for you to say we're not going to do it. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's unfeasible. Um, uh, uh, I think Modifius and Freely get a lot, lot of props for their for their utilization of that, at least. Um, but but the other side of it, right, is that D and D Beyond is so much more than just a PDF. Mm-hmm. <laughs> app right and it takes so much more work to generate content in there so much more time so much more resources so you know making a pdf version of of every watsi book isn't an insurmountable possibility and it's not going to cost that much more than setting up the print files you know after those are done but putting all that data into dnd beyond and maintaining it is a whole other beast entirely Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, um, that is what I, th- I think really, uh, differentiates a tool like D and D beyond. Um, oftentimes we talk about on the product team, um, the idea of a generalized system that can support a lot of different things has mm-hmm. its own value because it's got this large, uh, amount of things that it can now support. The problem is you can't, um, you can't support individual rules as well. Um, it is very difficult to be a generalist and be bespoke at the same time. And so what D&D Beyond has been able to show is that by a lot of bespokeness, um, we can create a, a tool that solves that problem very, very well. But it's it's not always going to be easy for everybody to do it. it, it I mean, it's, it's why there's not a bespoke tool set for every one of those uh, those games out there. Um, and I know there's people tr- out there trying to make that happen. And I'm, I'm incredibly excited for that to be a, a thing where, where games that are not as played and don't have as much money flowing through their system still have the ability to, to have a tool set that is as rich as something like D and D beyond. That's, 
I mean, that's going to be great for our industry altogether. That's like, that's like when Tesla said, you know what? We don't need the battery uh, patent anymore. Why don't we just make that public so that everybody can be making electric cars and the entire mm-hmm. industry will rise. And that's, mm-hmm. that's incredible. I'm, I'm so excited for that. What are some things that you, if there is anything, what are some things that uh, with this acquisition you think will change or will, will come down um, that you, mm-hmm. that you feel like you could talk about right now? If anything. Oh, um, yeah, it's hard to really say what will change and what won't change. Um, I think it's probably easier to say the things that won't change mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. than that will. Um, one thing that won't change, and I think it's super clear, is um, before there was understandable questions around um, can a company that is just a license of the, the, um, the parent um, really support my purchases long term, right? Mm-hmm. And that I think that question has pretty definitively been answered, right? Yep. Like you don't yep. have to worry about uh, your purchase being secure anymore, um, and will it be supported? Like, yes, yes, it will. <laughs> sure. Yep. Yes, it absolutely will. Um, and and I, I'm I am personally glad that we can definitively answer that question because before it was a trust us, it'll be fine. Now it's a well. It is the company. So as long as Dungeons and Dragons exists, your purchases are there. Um, Mm -hmm. The the other thing that I I can say for sure, too, is um, the the way that we've been playing up until this point on D&D Beyond um, is is proof that um, it's successful. Um, I I don't see that... um, for example, our character sheet. I could not imagine a, a world where we wouldn't have our character sheet mm-hmm. and we wouldn't be playing off of that thing. Um, that mm-hmm. is uh, absolutely amazing. Um, the the other th- the, the last thing I think um, that I can say in this area, and it's maybe not more like what will change or what won't change, but rather um, the mentality there is um, we want to improve the D and D community as a whole. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, we're going to continue to work to try to make that happen. Um, whatever that really means in the end. Um, and, uh, we are all D and D beyond players or we are all D and D players. And that, that to me is, um, the, the, one of the best things that we get out of this. Um, mm-hmm. one of the best things we get out of this, um, uh, we, so, um, and I can put it this way. This is, this is a good sort of, um, way to look at it. When D and D beyond was owned by fandom, um, me and, and my boss, in order to accomplish a thing, we had to convince someone who didn't know how to play D and D that mm. we should do this thing. Right. For example, like vehicles, right. We should be able to support these things. Well, why does it take so much time? Well, it takes a lot of time. What's the return on investment for that? And how are we going to be? Well, <laughs> we're trying to convince somebody who doesn't even know how to play at all what that really looks like. Um, mm-hmm. and, and I shouldn't say know how to play at all. What I mean to say is they are not a, they are not a part of the community like we are. But now when we want to try to get something like that approved and, and moving, we're going to be talking to people who play D&D every single week, multiple mm-hmm. times a week. 
They understand, Mm -hmm. right? And that is going to, just in and of itself, is going to unleash us. Um, And that's that's super powerful. That's what I was going to ask. Well, because we've talked before in the past, whether on the show or in in private, when when they are getting ready to release a book and you're trying to incorporate the new rules from that new book into the already massive amount of information that you have, do you think this will make it easier? Almost like... Perhaps now it's a, hey, D&D Beyond crew, we're thinking of this. Is that something that will work in your wheelhouse easily? No? Let's figure out, you know, and kind of a more synergistic working relationship going forward. And I think you kind of, you kind of answered it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and, um, d so the process before was, um, D&D would, would start writing a book. Um, they would start uh, pulling together concepts. They'd start um, fitting things in. They'd start uh, doing a few little playtest things. They, and then eventually they would get to a point where like, okay, we think this is a book and we can start scheduling its release, right? And then all of the rest of that would then happen, including letting their licensors know. So we would, we would learn and know about when a pre-order is going to happen about the same time that all of their other licensed partners would, as it should be because we were a licensed partner. Um, the, the problem for us was well, there's a lot of work that we ha- would have to do in order to support that book, especially for books that are um, s- source books. Source books are our, our primary problem because it's not just sort of filling out a monster stat block for us, we have to figure out and restructure our data model to support that, right? Mm-hmm. Like like the fact that some monster stat blocks in some books say small or medium causes huge problems throughout our entire system because small or medium is not a, a, a value <laughs> that we have. Right. <laughs> and none of our software accepted that value, right? The fact that, um, that we've got to... Um, uh, have an orc stat block that's slightly different than another orc stat block in a different book that's also slightly different than another orc stat block in another. Like those things cause lots of problems when you're dealing with a data model that has orc in it, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, and so now that we are all one, we will be able to learn much sooner when things might happen and start planning for how we might support them. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and that just it just by its own nature changes the game for us, because now we can start planning much further ahead and we can support those books as they come out to a much greater degree. Hmm. Well, so we're talking a lot about what's moving, what you're moving forward with, with the new books that are coming out. I am I'll phrase this in more of like a thought as opposed to a question to make it a little bit easier for you to kind of like skirt around it if need be. It would be very interesting to see what happens with old content. Like if right now you have, you're this, the warehouse and the nerve center of five E and, and it'll be the, whatever the iteration that comes afterward, you'll see that also. But I'm curious to see how much will be digitized of the older content and will be released and available to anybody. I mean, the possibilities now are, are absolutely mind staggering. And like, and if, 
if the, if it's digitized, how will that couple against any of the other like drive through RPG or any of the other warehouses of all those old and classic games, AD and D, third edition, second edition, all that good stuff too? So I don't like I again. I'll leave it open ended. You can you can put your thoughts in there however you want to from there. And and I guess I would note that like that that is something that's coming out that's that's going to happen pretty quickly, right? Because mm-hmm. we've got. Uh, Mordenkainen's coming to D&D Beyond, I, I, if I remember correctly, next month. Um, and that is a a book that takes a ton of pre-existing monsters with pre-existing stat blocks and tweaks them. So as a, as a, uh, as a resource, it's fa- going to be fascinating to me to see if uh, D&D Beyond now has two iterations for all of those monsters, one that's with mm-hmm. new stats, one that's with the old, or if it all gets an update, or if, uh, you know, those are the things that are fascinating to me. And as that expands, you know, as we get a full new monster manual in a couple of years that is a revision of the old one, how does all that work? How are we, do you have any, do you have any thoughts on that side of the evolution? I know that's a more technical yeah. question. Yeah, I'll step back for John's question. So um, old editions. um, So with this, this new, um, with this news, there is a ton of new inputs and we've got to take all those things in. Mm -hmm. We've got to look at them. And the process of product management is what is everything that we could do? Mm -hmm. And then what is everything that we need to do? Right. Like it, it, it is prioritization at its, at its, at its heart. Um, and that's what uh, makes the job kind of difficult because oftentimes we've got to say yes or no, um, that we can't do it. I don't know whether we can or not, or whether it would be good for us to do it or not, or, um, how feasible it might be for us to do something like that. That's something Mm -hmm. that we'll have to take a look at and, and, uh, down the road. But I can say that, there is a lot more things that are now possible now that that D and D Beyond is owned by the people that actually make D and D and own sure. all of the the content and IP. Um, but what does that actually look like? I don't know. I can I can say we have spent almost five years now building and just trying to support five E. Right. Um, it, it seems oh my goodness to try to support um, previous versions, um, however alike they might be, um, they are still distinct and different. Um, to and then to transition and segue into to your question, uh, Zach, about um, how do you how do we continue to support the new changes as we go forward? I, I, I can tell you, we have spent a long time thinking about <laughs> that very book mm-hmm. <laughs> and how is that going to work and what's the best way that it could work and well, that's not going to be very feasible for us to do it that way. So maybe we should look at a more feasible way for us to do it in the timeline that we have and all of those things. So um, I, I can't answer a lot of the questions directly that you, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Um, you asked about like, how are we actually going to support the book and all of that? But I, I can say that we've spent quite a bit of time trying to figure that out. Um, and uh, we are dedicated to supporting books as they come out um, at this moment. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing, right? Is like, that's, I think that's going back to what you were saying before. That's the fascinating part is that as a licensee, you've kind of been a couple steps further down the road up until this point of getting Mm -hmm. clued in and kind of getting in on things now as falling under the core umbrella. um, 
you'll have hopefully have a little bit more lead time on how does this work. Um, and I, 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 I think it's more just a fascination. I'm confident that you got, I mean, it's a problem to be solved, right? It's not like you're not going to have an answer for how it works. Um, I think, and I think I'm just fascinated for what that'll look like. Um, yeah. Well, and, and I, I hope it, what, what it really results in, and, you know, I've seen a, a couple of, of the comments and, and worries or um, just, we want D&D Beyond to support more of the rules, right? Like I, I was talking about uh, being a generalist versus being bespoke. Um, that's sort of a, a, a duality that doesn't actually exist because it's actually some spectrum of in between that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, even even for us who we consider ourselves to be super bespoke to D&D, we don't support the rules in the way that we would ultimately love to. Um, mm-hmm. And I think a lot of our audience, sometimes a lot of our naysayers say the same thing. <laughs> like, um, you're not even supporting this part of the book and that part of the book. And I can't even do this thing. Or, I mean, I think we all remember the sort of light, cl- light cleric fiasco um, of, of a while ago, right? Like, don't even support one of the base rules. Um, <laughs> the, the great thing about a lot of this is by getting earlier, we're going to be able to see where things are going and be, better be able to support them. The the other part of that is um, I hope that we will be able to better um, give the people that are making the rules an idea of, of what that looks like in a technical space. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, for, in a, in a, in a data model, right? Mm-hmm. Literally when you make this choice to do this thing, this is all of the second, third order uh, followers that happen. Um, mm-hmm. And it'll be interesting to see how that might change things. Um, that, as, as, as a, as a developer, it's all, it feels so much better whenever the stakeholders are, all of the stakeholders are brought to the table at the beginning, instead of letting them know further down the line when you've already, you've already architected the solution in your own mind effectively. And then you have to chew off the corners of the peg in order to fit it into a round hole at that point. Well, and yes. And, and, you know, the thing that I am, uh, I am just enamored with, with talking about and thinking about right now in this, in this period of time in role-playing, it's been almost 50 years and the majority, if not all of that time, role-playing has been a publishing industry. I am, I am really loving the slow pivot to including more and more technology into that and starting mm-hmm. to see what does it mean when, um, when we start adding and allowing technology to solve these problems better for us. Um, and how, do, how does things change and, and morph and how does that technology influence the way we actually play the game yeah um, that's been a, a big a big conversation that we've had in the last several uh, years as uh, uh, since the advent of covid and more people playing online how will that affect the game mechanics moving forward to to make it easier for it to be run online or to it's uh, those things are now being considered and so how does that actually change the product as the tr- now we're starting to trend in a different direction technologically. We were going away from actual pit. We call it pen and paper RPGs. We used mm-hmm. to now it'll be 
tablet and stylus RPGs, you know? <laughs> well, and I, I would even say too, like I'd broaden that from just online play versus in-person play. I would even say, how does technology help how we play everywhere mm. and in all ways, right? Um, I mean, we're starting to see more and more people bring technology to the table themselves, right? Because it's just, it just makes it, makes it easier to mm-hmm. play the game, mm-hmm. even in person. Um, and how does... The, the interesting thing there is, is how does the technology start to fit in how you want to play, right? Um, mm-hmm. If you don't want this part of it, you should still be able to have, uh, you still have other problems at the table that you want to solve. Um, mm-hmm. If you're playing online, your problems are slightly different and are, are, are changing. How do we provide technology that helps you play there too? Um, and if you're playing in a mix of those places, like you've got a few people that play online and a few people that play in person, how does that help? Um all, all of the different ways that people play, technology should mold to the way they play uh, and help well, them in the problems that they have there. And I think – well, I was going to say real quick that um, I, I think that it's not just also the way they play, but it's the way they learn too is, is, is a fascinating discovery. Um, I was telling the guys uh, this week, my sister called me and she's in college and she's like, can you teach me how to play D&D? because I've been invited to go. And I said, let's go to D&D Beyond and let's make a character and walk through the character creation process and how simple and like bullet pointed it is. And you're, and she had a character, right? And she learned the game by a step-by-step, you know, click next, click next, here's the drop downs, go. Mm-hmm. How much, that was such a weird experience even for me because I learned by, here's a book, read yes. this book, flip back and forth, you know, <laughs> How do you, oh, oh, oh the feats are over, backgrounds, oh, that's, okay, cool. Um, yep. And then this rule affects this thing, and then flip to page this point, and then, okay, now I can choose one of these things, and um, yeah. this background will give me one of these feats, which will give me some of these spells. Okay, how do I do that? It just became so much more accessible, right? Just the simple matter of of saying, hey, here, create an account on D&D Beyond, share your screen, I'll walk you through it, it'll be super easy. And it was, like, that's amazing. Um, how much worse if I'd have said, yeah, let me send you a book. <laughs> it's yeah. 300 pages. Yeah. Why don't you start reading that? If you have questions, let me know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, and that's, um, you know, I, we, we haven't talked too much about it, but that's, that's a, that's something that we talk a lot about on the podcast that Pat, uh, a coworker of mine and Great I have podcast, by the way. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I, like it. I like it. Uh, yeah. So, uh, we, we started a new podcast called the artificers portal. Um, mm-hmm. where uh, fortnightly on Fridays we release a new conversation with an artificer, uh, which is someone who is taking technology and building a digital tool to play role-playing games with. Um, mm-hmm. We talk with, with these artificers, and it, sometimes they're not direct technologists. Uh, for example, our last episode had Wolfgang uh, Bauer from uh, Cobalt Press on, mm-hmm. and we, we talk about these these topics of how does technology change the way we are playing the game. And one of the, the topics that we're talking about a lot right now is, um, is there a better way to deliver content into uh, RPGs? Um, mm-hmm. Traditionally, we've used books, but books are really, really great at linear uh, um, information. 
flipping mm-hmm. page to page. I mean, you can you can flip through it and then find something, but books are difficult at reference. We learned this lesson with encyclopedias, right? It's difficult to reference things in encyclopedias for a lot of different reasons. Um, for one, things change every year and you got to rebuy mm-hmm. that book. <laughs> mm-hmm. Two, you, you, you have to like alphabetically find the thing that you're looking for, or you have to go back to a, a reference and figure out the page that you would write. Like, We've, we've, we have determined in other industries better ways to create reference material online or through other digital means. Uh, one, one example we used in the, the podcast was uh, Pat said, uh, hey, Wolfgang, do you have a Rand McNally map in your car still? <laughs> no, no, don't got that anymore. It's been a long time since I've had a, a world atlas in my car. Yeah. Right? Why? Because that is a terrible way to understand the world in which we live and to get directions for where you want to go, especially when compared to, to Google Maps. Now, there, there are some benefits, which books have a similar analogous ca- category, right? Pat, Pat mm-hmm. does say um, in the, pa- the podcast, um, books are one of the more reliable things, right? I, my, my phone needs battery. My laptop needs battery. I need access to the Internet. Um, but books are good at linear information. And uh, I, I'm, I think personally, this is me, because I know I'm talking to a bunch of, of people that, that publish books, but I think the digital tools can take content that is made by content creators and make it so much more accessible and so much more valuable to people. And I am ex- super excited in the 10 to 15 years from now when um, – when that becomes uh, more more tangible for people because the tools can support it. Um, I think we're just starting to scratch the surface of what digital tools and technology can do. So you brought up Wolfgang, and that leads into the, the question that I want to ask. Now that, now that uh, you're, you are under, under the family umbrella, will there, is there, a way or is there a thought behind possibly <clears throat> allowing third-party publishers to put their content on D&D Beyond not necessarily to the extent that Watsi products are already integrated with themselves but to have a you know you can have all of the Midgard stuff from Cobalt Press on D&D Beyond that you could access and or purchase or whatever and then have some kind of a way that uh, the the owner of the account could then, okay, I'm taking this monster stat block, manually porting it into the main side of D&D Beyond so that my orc war boss or whatever it might be from a third-party publisher now can work inside the main D&D Beyond framework and have dice to be rolled and, and all that good stuff. Is there is there a remote possibility that that could be a thing? Um yeah, I I can't I can't give a yes or a no, obviously. Um mostly because I I don't don't quite speak for Watsi and what that's going to look like. Um, I don't, um, I also just don't really know. 
Um, what I what I do know, me personally, in my own opinion, is that the D and D community is includes more than just the official content that is created, um, and I think that much is absolutely clear. Um, that that the D and D community plays a lot of D and D and gets it from a lot of different places, and um, I love the D and D community, and I want to make sure that the D and D community can continue to thrive. Um, and that I I believe personally, I believe that that is the best way for this game to survive another fifty years. Um, is is to foster the entire community, but I don't know what that'll look like when 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 we get to Watsi. I don't know what will be available, um, what we'll be able to do, um, and I, I don't know how that will all work. But um, but I do know that the D and D community is is large and vast, and I love the community, and I want to make sure that it can thrive long into the future. Right on. Let me ask you this: Do you feel like there's anything? Do you have like a, a wish list or a Christmas wish that you, wish list that you could hand off to to Santa Wizards that uh, of either something that you would work on or that would be uh, kind of like a man? If if only we had this one thing, or if we could do this one thing, uh, is there anything you could share that would be your wish list item? That now that you've got this, you know, you got their deeper pockets, and you've got that that direct access to you know, the R and D staff and things like that. Not necessarily like that's game specific, but like what now the, the doors are opened up. Do you see as the most exciting thing that uh, you could ask for? Well, I can, I can say, um, what do I think is the most exciting things? I can answer that one. The other, my wish list is probably going to be kind of problematic because that feels like, um, yeah, I, I, there's lots of things that I hope for, and I think the, they are very, very similar to what what the community mm-hmm. wants. We've even touched on them, right? Like, I want to solve the physical digital problem, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I want to I want to buy my books in one place, and I don't want to have to go all over the place, all over creation to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, help me do that, please. Um, I I believe that that is not only a great. Um, feature that is focused on users, but is also a super valuable feature that can, that can, um, that it can hold its weight and is worth considering. But, um, other things that we, that I'm really excited about are, um, and, and, you know, some people have, have already touched on it, um, in the, the things that the comments and things that I've read, but one of the really interesting things that happens here that is, um, sort of behind the scenes People are rolling on D&D Beyond all the time. Mm. We have millions of rolls every week on D&D Beyond. Um, those go into the game log. The game log has to persist or save that data so that we can rebuild the game log as you are playing. So you can we can show it to people. When you go back to it, you can see what was rolled last session, all of those. Mm-hmm. We store mm-hmm. that data. That data is about half a billion rows of data of just mm. the number of times that people have rolled, what they have rolled, what spell they used, what attack they used, what saving throw or a skill or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. We've saved all of that. We have that data. 
Mm-hmm. You can imagine what we can do with that data. That's correct. Like I didn't even think about that. You're obviously you're storing all of the data, right? But if you you um, not productize the data, but if you you're essentially you're using the data to determine what it is that people are actually doing in the game, at least digitally, right? Like if they're use whatever they're using a digital platform like D and D Beyond for what 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 spells are their favorite spells? Which well, uh, classes are the ones that they're really uh, that really engaged with. So, all right, you got me really excited about this because I'm a, I'm a data nerd myself. And so the question that I have to ask is how much, how, I wonder how much of this would be it, at the very least in like a, uh, like some charts or something like that, that'd be thrown out to the public every once in a while saying, Hey, just so you know, 80% of you are playing human fighters. What's up with that? You know, that kind of, that, those kind of stats and like, and like infographics at the very least, I'd love to be able to see more just of. Just a picture, please. Just a yeah, picture. Anything, right? just- <laughs> because I'm fascinated by the, the, how other people play their games. I'm not, I don't, I'm not about trying to tell somebody how to play their game, well, but God, man, I would, I'd love to see what the trends look like and what's like, what are the things, and I'm sure that uh, if D&D Beyond has ar- not, has not already provided that information to Wizards, Wizards having direct access to that information now for certain would help them drive a lot of their decisions right. that well, they would probably get just from surveys in the past. Well, and, and, and walk, walk with me down this. So yep. I've, I've just told you we've got a ton of data about what people are doing, right? Mm-hmm. It's all anonymized. Uh, anon- anonymized? Is that the word? It, sure. we, we, we can't actually it is now. link it all, right? It, it's, it's, it's just the role and the character that rolled it, right? Um, the... Uh, so yeah, there's, there, hopefully there's no security concerns for you, for you all out there. Anyway, um, we can use that data to, um, show how many times a spell was rolled, how much damage it was rolled, how likely it was to have hit, Mm. um, when it was rolled, what day and time it was rolled and it, how much you might have played during that time, right? So it, theoretically, if you have five people in a, in a party um, and they're all on D&D Beyond and they're all rolling, we would see a flurry of activity around a time that you might be playing and then the rest of the week, not so much. Mm-hmm. So now we can start to look at that and say, oh, well, people might play on Saturdays the most and they might play between these times the most and when they do play, they play for three hours or four hours or eight hours or 10 hours, right? Um, and we're, we can start to see and literally change the way we play the game based off of that, right? Now, now D- D&D will be able to take that data and say, well, what is the, the best spell? Or what is the most used spell? Not the most mm-hmm. uh, put on my character sheet, but what is the most used spell? Mm-hmm. What is the most used skill? Not just what's surveyed as the best skill, but what is actually the most rolled skill, right? Mm-hmm. So they can use that data now to then balance that game and to, to try to start saying like, okay, well, nobody rolls a nature check and everybody rolls perception, Right. Mm. <laughs> like things that we kind of know already, but you can start to see the actual data behind it. Now, here's the cool thing. This is the this is where it gets really, really cool. So D&D can start using that data. But imagine if you were a DM and you knew that data. Right. You could see on your campaign page or whatever game page you have, you could see since I started this. I've started and stopped my sessions this many times. So I have this many sessions. 
-hmm. I can see Ooh. that my players have rolled an astronomical amount of, of perception checks and nearly none in survival or history, right? I can see that we have rolled this many death saving throws, this many that have failed or, or come back. We have dealt this much damage. We have done this many encounters per level. We have done, right? And as a DM, imagine how you can change your game based off of that real-time data, right? And then one mm -hmm. step further, we can then serve that up to each character, right? Mm -hmm. So I can go back on my character and I can say, how many times have I cast Fireball? How much damage has it done, mm -hmm. right? In, in other games that I've played, um, it's, it's an interesting practice. Uh, so D&D so &D levels up. As, as you go, right? So you don't really get a choice of like, well, I want to put more points into my this skill or that skill, really. it's it, You get kind of a set tier. But other games allow you to sort of get some experience points and then put them into this little thing and, and you slowly make your... So one of the things that I've done is I said, how many times have I rolled this skill? And then based off of that, that's where I want to focus, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to put points in there and I'm going to put points in there. So I'm literally changing the way I play that character and how that character develops based off of the number of things that I'm actually doing. Mm. Right? Which well, I'm thinking so about. now we can give those stats to players and they can mm. start to say like, you know what? I'm, I'm actually doing a lot more insight checks than I really thought that I was doing. And I should, maybe I should get like a, a feat or something that would help me help me do those better or maybe mm. i should start use, use using that information in my role play as like this who is who my character is and i didn't realize that one thing that i'm thinking about a lot as you're saying that is definitely on the player end but also on the um on the dm side of things with uh and, and on the creator side of things with adventure design like and i know some of this isn't necessarily a current support but i would love to see like as a, as a creator, um, and I'm sure Wizards is the same, like let's use Storm King's Thunder for an example, how many parties go to Bryn Shander as opposed to Golden Fields as opposed to Tribor? That's an interesting thing, right? If we see that 70% of everyone goes to Tribor, well, of course, there's something that makes that appealing, right? How many parties have a combat every session? That's important mm -hmm. information. Does that number change when we play Witchlight, which is a... Uh, intentionally a, a combat light by design campaign, but does that actually change how it's played? Is there still mm -hmm. combats that are being in injected every time? Like those sorts of things, I think, you know, Watsi has talked about writing adventures based off of feedback, but how much more interesting is it going to be if they can create adventures based off of how people are actually playing the game? Um, I, that would be, uh, you know, how, how, you know, I'd love to see how many people actually make it past level two in Dungeon of the Mad Mage, right? Mm -hmm. How many adventuring parties <laughs> actually go further than that? Um, yeah. Versus how many people finish Waterdeep, right? Like, yeah. that's, an, yeah. that's inter interesting too, like that you could probably even determine which characters are active, which ones are inactive. At what point do they become inactive? Do, are they ever reactivated later on down, down the line? That lets you know when there's a pause in the campaign or if they move on move the character on to something else and then that this whole well we really only support first through 
12th level content or 10th level content, you've got numbers that are going to back that up. Of like, yes, once people hit 10th level, they're pretty much done with it. Now, granted, that may a lot of that may be uh, flavored by the content that's actually being pr- produced. If we're only producing content up to 12th, then of course you're going to have that's a trend right. where most people are going to be within that. But I'm a, as the, one of the things about data analytics that's the the, the uh, kind of like the, the fight song of it is the numbers don't lie. And so if you've got all the numbers in your back pocket, you can really see the nature of a lot of different tables. It'll be just interesting to see how you couple like Zach's talking about where if you know exactly where they are inside of an adventure, if you can get to that point, you can noodle down to that where you know which direction that they went in to do this, then it will, f- I think it'll make, you're going to see more creative design decisions not necessarily like on a broad scale of more fighty, less RP or vice versa, but like these are the kinds of things thematically that players out there are really craving and what they want, what they want more of as a result of it. That is fascinating. Well, and, and, and here's, here's one last way that we can use data that, that just, um, it just makes me so giddy. And that is um, helping you remember your campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, so there, there's a, a, an idea that we have had is once we have a lot of the data um, and we've got it stored, right? So uh, I, I've said this a couple of times, I think maybe even on the podcast, uh, we called it the game log, not because um, we couldn't think of what to, what to call it, but very and very intentionally. I had lots of conversations and I talked to a lot of users about it. We didn't call it a dice log. We called it a game log. And the reason we did that is because we plan on putting lots of data there. Lots of things that can happen all around your game. And once we start storing all of that data, right, when, what, who shared what item with who, um, what PCs were introduced, right? I mean, how many times have we taken the, and copied and pasted the name of a PC down into the chat so that everybody knows how to say it and how to pronounce it and what it is and, right, like the introduction of an NPC. We have, we have the uh, enter to combat, asked for initiative roles, passed out treasure and experience, right? We've got all these things that can that are going to be automated into the game with our digital tools that will all be connected through this backbone of a game log. We can take all mm-hmm. those things, stream them in a big list, allow the DM to then say, oh, okay, this is where the Battle of the Three Worms started. Mm-hmm. And this is that moment in the Battle of the Three Worms where so-and-so nearly died. Remember that? I do. And they can then start filtering that back that that uh, that game log down to the most important moments, annotate them and say, like, the start of the Battle of the Three Worms. And this is where Annette died or mm. almost died. And right, they can start creating this sort of chronicle of what has happened in their game that then becomes a way you can remember that game forever and solve that problem of like, hey, you guys remember what happened last time? Well, mm. let, let us look. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. I think that uh, when you said game log, it made me think about adventure logs, which mm-hmm. made me think about Adventurers League. What yeah. It would be interesting at some point or another, like what level of support D&D would provide to adventure for, to organized play for retention of those logs. And because you're also talking about how do you, what's one of the methods by which you solve the problem of which direction did they go in? Well, if you know 
what I like which items they uh, they achieved inside of the adventure, right? Because you're supposed to tag exactly which adventure that you're in at the time when you've logged the stuff out. You kind of have an idea of which games people are playing that they're the most interested in, the stories that they're the most interested in, what uh, which items that are available inside of a game, which ones are the ones that they they choose and that they of of like the Monty Hall four or five items that they could select. So do you like, I guess that is more of a direct question that I'll ask though. Do you know what level of support you'd already either already had planned or that might be planned for any organized, organized play uh, synergy within, within D and D beyond at this point? Yeah, I can answer that in a couple of different ways. I'll answer historically. So D and D because I can, uh, I can, I can talk about D and D beyond historically for a long time. Um, uh, we have always thought we want to be able to support that level of play because there are there are customers that have problems in there that we can help solve using technology. Um, and that makes all the sense in the world. And the great happy coincidence is quite a few customers who don't do organized play still have very similar problems, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, especially when you come to like a uh, supporting uh, organized play with uh, how you make characters, right? Well, every game I've ever played in has rules around character creation. It's not organized play that's the only people that have rules around character creation, right? Mm -hmm. For example, when I play a game, you can't play an Aarakocra. You just can't. Like, no Aarakocras, no Feral Tieflings, because I'm not dealing with a third level at will spell for a first level character. I'm just not doing it. Like, just not (laughs) not working with that. Um, The that problem we can we can solve by reducing the options you have available to you when you're making a character. The other cool thing that that would do is it would make character creation even more simple. When you don't have 300 different books that are populating way too many options that are just not, right? Like when you're first playing the game, you don't want to be handed a 300-page book and say like start playing, but you also don't want to be handed 30 books that are all 300 pages and say like, choose from one of these subclasses, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right. So, um, so that is something that we've always wanted to try to do, not just because it's organized play, it will help there, but because it will help solve lots of different problems, similar to the, the, the adventure log, keeping track of what that looks like. Um, I going forward, how do we, plan on supporting. I can't answer that, right? Because we don't know what all of the things are and what that's going to look like when we get there. But I can say, I can say a little known feature on D&D Beyond today is uh, connecting your Watsi account. You can go on to D&D Beyond today and connect your Watsi account, which just so happens to also have your Adventure League information. Hmm. 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 Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, and, and I mean, really, like, it, it's really, I say, you, you talked about priorities, and, you know, sometimes you have, there's cool things that you want to do, but there's a priority level for how things get accomplished. The, uh, so so just because something can happen doesn't mean that it has the priority to get done. But looking at what I know about D&D Beyond Features already, I say, well, if you wanted to have an Adventures League build option, there's already a lot of the tool sets to make that happen pre-built into D&D Beyond where you can toggle on and off different resources um, within your campaign. So as a, as a feature, I think it's entirely doable to have a toggle that says turn on AL mode and now 
we can do it. It's just a matter of, you know, is that a priority for Watsi to, to put in the, to put in the mm-hmm. docket of things to do, but it's it, like, I could build that today, arguably with, with what you've got in there for the most part. That, that was the thought. The plan was to, um, to slowly back into AL validation, right? Mm-hmm. Like give DMs the ability to say like, I don't want to share all of my content, which right. by the way, we still completely understand that homebrew is still included and you can't exclude it. And that's a really big problem, but that's mm-hmm. not what we're talking about. <laughs> and then the next one is like, I want to make sure that like these individual pieces of game rules can't be used. And I want to make sure that it does all these other things. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was all, it was always the plan on D and D beyond to eventually get there. Now, how, what's the priority of that when we get to Watsi? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. There's going to be a lot more inputs um, and a lot more discussion. We will have lots of things to come in. We will have to assess each one of them, the opportunity uh, that it has for both the business and for the users, and say, this. these are the things that we should focus on. You're kind of in a unique – well, you've been a, in a unique spot where um, – being a licensee that has the branding of D&D, you've got you've had a lot of access to stuff, but you've really been, we talked about this before, like very uh, single track obligated. You're not the same as drive through RPG or something like that that can do a D&D thing here and everybody else's thing over here kind of play around with them. You really uh, were on the 5E train and specifically the Watsi 5E train for a long time but with even more restrictions because you were a licensee. Um, so now I, I see what I see from this move is that we're still on the Watsi 5e train, right? We still have all the restrictions there. And I think you can look at what are they doing on their own website currently and kind of see the type of thing. Like, I mean, I, my hope along with Troy is that we get to see Cobalt press stuff or Colville stuff on, on D and D beyond, but we've never seen, that on the current Watsi website. So um, that might be indicative of how likely we're to see it on DMV. But we get to see some, but I think where we will get some open access now is now that you're ingrained, some of those pet projects of Watsi like AL might filter down in. Um, and I think that that could be the, the biggest avenue in my mind, at least for some, for some interesting changes is when it comes to, um, you know, maybe these aren't the biggest money makers or the biggest, you know, bang for buck, but they're core to the principles or to the design or to the philosophy of Wizards of the Coast. And so they want to make sure that those are emulated in their, in their digital platform as well. Um, I'm yeah. Um, one of the things that I think is interesting um, is... Um, so, okay. So I, I can say this, um, my boss who is, was a fandom employee is now going to be a wizards employee. He is moving mm-hmm. with me, um, had a conversation with, um, his new boss over there. And he shared this with me. Um, he said that engagement is revenue. And what that means is that, um, we should, f- what, what, what he means by that is we should focus on things that will improve users experience on our site and in using our products. Um, because when we do that, it will equal more and more revenue. Um, in, in the previous, uh, company in, 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 at fandom, 
we focused on both engagement and revenue, right? And then sometimes uh, you have to prioritize revenue over engagement because it's they're not always the exact same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, in the new company in in Watsi, I have a a um, I am I am excited at the prospect of looking at a different prioritization model that looks at engagement as being revenue just because it is the thing not because we can prove how much money we'll make with it but because we can prove how much people actually want it and how much Mm -hmm. of a priority that is and that's really really Mm -hmm. exciting and empowering um and that to me shows that watsi is is really focused on um improving and uh making their products the best for their community. And, and mm-hmm. I, I am so freaking stoked about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Fellas, is there anything else? We've, we've gone for an hour at this point. Um, is there anything else that we, we, we've got to, we've got to have uh, a question raised or a, a question answered? I don't know. I think, I think uh, Andrew covered quite a bit. I mean, we asked. I'm just we trying to keep Andrew questions. out of trouble. Yeah, we don't. Want, I don't want to. <laughs> well, I, like we said, Andrew's no Tom Holland, so it's more like right. I, yeah. I don't want to ask those questions and, and have him just kind of give that awkward. Uh, well, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, a- Andrew has given us a lot Andrew's to chew on. Andrew's excited about his new job, and he will be working there. And yeah, I yeah. won't let anything jeopardize that new job. <laughs> right on. That is awesome. <laughs> Well, Andrew, I, I really appreciate you uh, coming on and, and chatting with us uh, again. Um, I'd love to have you on maybe sometime later in May or June when we can kind of talk about, you know, some of the new stuff that's releasing as D&D evolves. That's been a big topic of ours on the show for the last few months is D&D is getting ready to take a big step forward in its evolution in the next two years. And we're going to see the first inklings of that this year. I think it'd be fascinating to have you back when you can talk more about how does that shape the D&D Beyond experience. Um, And uh, you might have some insight there that that would be fascinating for our listeners. Yeah. and, uh, And hopefully I will have insight by then. We'll see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, something will happen by then. At the very least, right? um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, I think that's gonna like. I'll I'll be the first to say I was. I hate I hate to well I was gonna say I was like I was sweating bullets a little bit about what was gonna happen with D and D Beyond with mm. the evolution that was coming if if they remained a third party entity a sub license because it is a lot of change and um i didn't know how much of dnd would or D beyond would walk along with that change um so i'm super super glad to hear that uh yeah that I, it looks like hand in hand well, we we yeah, do I, we we missed a question oh from, oh, okay. from the I, audience I can, res- I, I can respond to that one just real quick okay. by just saying that um I was also sweating bullets there, Zach. <laughs> I mean, being someone who feeds my family doing this sort of thing, um, thinking, boy, uh, D&D Beyond has a license to sell 5e content, but not anything after that. Um, yep. And, uh, you know, in, in, in a lot of ways, this answers a lot of those questions. And that is, 
is so amazing. I think um, for a lot of the the you know the community out there, it also shows that that this is that that Wizards knows that the future of role playing games includes technology. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a part of it. Um, it's not everything. Right. I, I don't, I don't, don't get me wrong. My own personal views aside about books and, and publishing. I mean, Watts is, is, a, is a publisher of through and through, right? Like w- there'll be books for ages to come. Um, but what is exciting is that technology will have a seat there too. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm super excited about that. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, what do you got from chat, Troy? Uh, Andrew, or Chaos 8 was wanting to know how will this merger affect the back end? Will things be faster and will the search functions get updated to something better? And is spell, <laughs> and is spell jammer confirmed? I think that's the most important question he asked. Uh, is, is, spell, is spell jammer confirmed? And can you um, speak to that? <laughs> Boy, that's four questions. That's a I lot. I counted hey, in there. Chaos is is very you know he, he, he wants to know a lot he, he he's he's very high maintenance he <laughs> so, high maintenance well he so says he says was, you forgot my question and it's like well that, that's like you know you got ten questions rocking there mm-hmm. not just one <laughs> I got had to um, pick so the first one there was um, is the back end going to change um, they are. They are purchasing D&D Beyond, and for the foreseeable future, they are hoping... Oh, golly. Um, they are hoping that uh, things will stay business as usual for a, a while, right? So it's not like the, yeah. the day that we walk through those doors, um, everything completely changes. Um, so I, I would think for, for a while now, um, the same D&D Beyond will always be there. Um, just the, what you've got now, your question was specifically the second one about a few features that I think that you probably are a little frustrated with, uh, the search and the performance of the site. That's something that, um, we would have looked at regardless of what this is. Um, there's not any like special technology that wizards has that will change that for us. It is just a mere, we need to focus on something like that. Um, we have had the, uh, <laughs> we've had search on our, our backlog uh, climbing up for a while. And um, the thing that will have the biggest effect on, on that is uh, we call it a prioritization equation. And that is we can do as much as we have people to do things. Mm-hmm. Um, now that we are at Watsi, we will have the ability to start making a case that we need more people to do more things. Um, and that, that to me is super exciting. Um, we will be able to focus on core platform problems a lot better um, when we don't have to go to our parent company and say, this deserves to be spending money on because it is, it is just essential to the game. And they're mm-hmm. like, well, no, you don't. <laughs> you're like, no, 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 you don't understand. Like, you know, it, it, it is a part of playing D and D that it, it is important. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, that's what I'm, I'm super excited about. And then the last one there, what was the other one, Troy? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to remember. Spell, spell jammer confirmed. And the next one after that, 
Was, so what I, I think, think what I think I heard out of all of that though is that you're moving everything to AS 400s and you're going to rewrite all of D and D's back D and D Beyond's back end in Cobol. That's what I heard. You heard it here for, first, folks. <laughs> Actually, the, um, there's there's a there's a funny little uh, happenstance there. So Cobalt, you're talking about the um, business programming language from like a long time ago. Oh, like Cobalt 6381. I wrote in it yeah, yeah. while I was in the Air Force, and it is just yeah. like dinosaurs fighting I'm one trying, another over a biscuit. Air Force. It's awful. Um, the, the funny thing is, is we actually have a proprietary backend system that was mm. a part of Curse. So just a quick history lesson. Uh, D&D Beyond started in a company called Curse. Curse was a- acquired by Twitch, which was acquired by Amazon, which was then sold from Amazon to fandom and it is now fa- sold. And then now D&D Beyond specifically, right? Because Curse traveled all those places. Now D&D mm-hmm. Beyond specifically is going to Watsi. Um, we built that originally on a system called Cobalt that was meant to be a multi-tenancy system that allowed mm-hmm. for us to, allowed for, for Curse to spin up multiple sites like wikis all mm-hmm. over the place. Oh, we cool. still have a lot of those those things today, and we'll be taking Cobalt with us. <laughs> cobalt with a T yeah. at the end. It's a cobalt. shame. Yeah. Could have gone Cobalt. It was. Uh, it would have been a. I think it would have been a, a real game changer to go back yeah. to your roots, so to speak, uh, programmatically. I guess. Yeah. yeah, that that might be a fascinating. Like, uh, you know, if you have the ability to spin off something, you know, Watsi's always been happy to spin off um you know licenses to other things so it might be fascinating to see if we get a a spinoff for cobalt press and then they want it yeah you you, there may be something there i'm i'm hypothesizing and kind of just thinking out loud more than asking for a statement but um you know yeah, it's a good thing too because I I don't have any control over that area of the business yeah 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 All right. Well, Andrew, thank you so much again. Um, it's been awesome. Super fascinating. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Troy, um, let's, uh, let's make sure that we put down in the show notes uh, of this episode, a link to Andrew's own podcast. Oh yeah. Uh, where people can go check that out. I, I'm going to be honest. I didn't know you had a podcast and so I'm like, I told you guys you had a podcast. Yeah, yeah. What? Um, I told you guys he had a podcast. You probably did, but we don't listen to you. I know. <laughs> I listen to Andrew because he's here. Yeah, it's all white noise whenever it comes out of Troy's yeah, mouth. Yeah. We're just waiting for him to stop talking so we can talk. Yeah, it's a. I I I am loving the process. You guys, um, I am jealous of you. That I mean, you all do. I don't know how much your frequency is, but Pat and I can't handle more than a fortnight, and I'm having a blast doing it because it is it is so much fun talking to. Uh, different people about the <laughs> uh, I, I use this term with with Pat and he was like that's dumb Andrew that's the worst the, the most boring thing I was like <laughs> about the confluence of technology and role-playing games mm-hmm. and um, I just I, I I am so excited and I'm really proud of of um, of that work so it you know it's, it's just a lot of a lot of excitement for me these days a lot oh. of things to be excited about absolutely yeah so to answer your question, and we'll answer your question since we asked you so many. We record two a week. Um, oh, our, wow. at, our, at minimum, at minimum. At yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then every at once minimum. in a while we'll do we'll do an extra. Like this one was not was not yeah. slated. 
Oh, so like a special exclusive, huh? This That's is a special, special edition right now, right? This That's is right. exactly what this is. Yeah. We, we used to have a thing called after dinner drinks that we do and a couple of other little things here and there. But. It's it's a oh. it's a deluxe limited edition or whatever. Yeah, right. Whatever deluxe limited edition. Ultra, ultra deluxe <laughs> limited hyper metabolic edition. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the hydro cover. The, the hydro cover coming soon. <laughs> I, I, I feel I feel like I feel like the intro music for this episode needs to be you know over the yeah. <laughs> over the wires. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, uh, thanks uh, to chat for hanging out with us through this. Uh, that was Chaos Eight and Zebola uh, uh, virus and uh, Kilowatt was in there for a hot minute and um, I don't know. There's uh, uh, Sir Isaac came in, joined us for a little bit Sir too. Isaac came in. And then, yeah, and then Kiki twenty two some, some e got uh, timed out. I was about to say somebody got timed out by yours truly <laughs> for, for misbehavior out. in chat. That's right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much, and uh, we'll see you next time. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Have a great game, everybody. And stay safe out there. Ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> hey everyone, thanks for listening. If you like this episode and you want to continue the conversation with us, go ahead and head on over to our Discord. There's a link in the show notes, and you can always shoot us a message on Facebook to get a link there as well. Uh, While you're at it, if you wouldn't mind, give us a like on Facebook, give us a subscription over here on your podcast feed, Uh, give us a review and some stars while you're at it. That would be awesome. That's the way we get in front of more people. And if you want to watch a live show, we're live almost every Sunday and Tuesday on Twitch and YouTube, and you can find links to all of that right there in the Discord. We'll see you next time. Here we go. And Isaac's over here is like trying to trying to jinx me. Don't mess up. Don't mess up. Don't mess up. <laughs> the more times you say it, it's not going to help. <laughs>